And we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Matthew Paris Show. I'm your host, Matthew Paris. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, before we start, before we start, make sure that you hit that subscribe button on the Matthew Paris Show, no matter what platform you are listening on. Um, it's always a great time here on the Matthew Paris Show. We talk sports. We talk all kinds of sports. So let's get right into it. Um, Travis Kelce, Kansas City uh, Chiefs star tight end, Travis Kelce, has been seen with Taylor Swift. Uh, Taylor Swift was spotted at the, at the uh, Arrowhead Stadium for the Kansas City Chiefs versus Chicago Bears game. The Chiefs did win that game 42-10 in a blowout. Um, but the real news, the one that all media is reporting, that is that Taylor Swift was there. Uh, she was with Travis Kelce's mom. I think her name is Donna. So uh, we had a uh, play where Patrick Mahomes, it was in the red zone. Patrick Mahomes threw a three-yard touchdown pass to Travis Kelce as she went crazy uh, in her suite. She was banging on. She jumped around, uh, banging on the window. She jumped for joy. She was high-fiving his mom. So are there sparks in the air? I think so. The, um, but it, how, how did Swift and Kelce hook up? How did the two meet? Supposedly, the rumors have been flying back all the way through summer. Kelce had one point tried to uh, persuade Swift to date him uh, early on, even back in the summer. Swift, Taylor Swift, was dating at the time an actor, and obviously that relationship went sour. But Kelce had been pursuing her for a while. It was rumor going on that during her tour, when she came to Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium, that Kelce was there and was hoping to meet the, uh, the superstar singer. Um, he never got a chance to meet the singer, so he was uh, he um, had said it on his New Heights podcast that he hosts with his uh, brother Jason Kelce, who's also a Philadelphia Eagle, that uh, he he wanted to give her Kelce had wanted to give her a friendship bracelet. Um, I the rumor is that he wanted to give her a friendship bracelet. She was still dating at the time this other guy, and she would not accept it. So that kind of made Kelce a little bit mad. It kind of made him uh, pursue pursue her a little bit more. So um, it is all over the media. It's all over the New York Times, New York Post, Fox News, Vanity Fair. Um, there are rumors going on that uh, you know it it was uh, there's a dark side to it. I don't know about that. They seem pretty happy to be there. So um, yeah. So uh, it says right here from. The New York Times, Kelce, a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, has won two Super Bowls and hosted Saturday Night Live, but nothing compares to his brush with the Swift error. Uh, three years after Travis Kelce was drafted to the National Football League, the tight end courted 50 uh, contestants, one from each state, for a bachelor's dating show on E! Entertainment that drew little notice. Uh, the show, I forgot that he did that. The show was called Catching Kelsey, aired in 2016 at he has won two Super Bowls with Kansas City, catching a touchdown each. It earned eight Pro Bowl selections while dabbling as a media personality and hosting a Saturday Night Live episode and helping a popular football podcast. Uh, we did talk about that. It was um, it was the uh, New Heights podcast that he, he co-hosts with his brother, Jason Kelce, who's also a Philadelphia Eagles football player. Uh, but in terms of maximizing his celebrity, nothing compares to Kelce Brush with the era of Taylor Swift, a 12-time Grammy winner, whose heiress tour this year has shattered concert records, even registered uh, seismic activity. 
Uh, Kelchi and Swift, both 33, have remained quiet about whether they are friends or a couple or just two celebrities trying to leverage each other's fame. But fans regularly dissect Swift's dating life and failed relationships, which she has written about in her own songs. Uh, so it goes into a little bit. Uh, Taylor Swift was seen wearing the Chiefs colors, the red and white. Uh, Swift wearing a red and white outfit that matched Kansas City colors was then seen leaving the stadium with Kelchi. Uh, you can look that up online. It's on a YouTube channel that uh, Kelchi and Swift were seen leaving together. They were back in the locker room. Um, yeah, so this guy said hi to her. It's on his uh, YouTube page. Um, I forgot which one it was, but it is on her YouTube page. And uh, Kelsey didn't look too happy when he went by. I think he's just trying to keep the relationship quiet. But who knows? Who knows, right? Uh, this puts him on a completely different plan from where he was as a celebrity, said Daniel Durbin, a professor of communications at the University of Southern California. Uh, as a professional athlete near retirement in their 30s and early 40s, many begin to plot their next career moves. Some become broadcasters, while others turn to Hollywood. LeBron James, a star basketball player, has started his own tequila brand and said he wants to own a team. Um, LeBron James also dabbles in, uh, since he's a Los Angeles Laker, he also dabbles in movie making. He, he's a producer also as well. Um, Kelchi and Swift were in the same stadium this weekend, brought together two fandoms that don't over, often overlap. A spokesman for Fanatics, the NFL's official retailer, said that sales of Kelchi's jersey had spiked by 400% as of Monday, since uh, everybody on TV and in the uh, stadium had seen Taylor Swift wear Kelchi's jersey. Coaches and players from across the NFL also took notice. Bill Belichick, the Patriots coach, known for gruff answers to reporters' questions, said on a radio show that Travis Kelchi had a lot of big catches in his career. This would be the biggest. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one, uh, Coach Bill Belichick. The star Cowboys defender Micah Parsons posted on X, which is formerly known as Twitter, that one woman can change your life. This is true. Um, fans at the game, Kansas City Chiefs fans at the game, was even making signs saying, is Taylor here? Uh, celebrity relationships in the NFL are not new, but they are normally reserved for star quarterbacks who touch the ball every play. Russell Wilson married the singer Sierra in 2016. Tom Brady, who won seven Super Bowls, spent 16 years with the model Giselle Bündchen before they divorced last year. So it goes on to saying that, you know, superstar athletes and superstar uh, celebrities Celebrities tend to date each other. That's nothing new. That's been going on since the beginning of time. Uh, does the relationship last? Not really. You know, it's a high percentage that most relationships in celebrities have ended up in divorce. It is now seen that Giselle Bunchen, who's former wife of Tom Brady, was seen with her Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, instructor, and she had been going out with him. So hopefully that works out. Uh, it is rare but not possible for a tie in to drive the national conversation uh, yeah, look at uh, Rob Gronkowski and, and uh, his doings in uh, New England. But Kelchi, profitable by stylish outfits, trimmed beard, and haircut, his charismatic personality, has emerged as one of the NFL's most remarkable stars. Before Swift, his fame had Chrysodone because of a candid podcast he hosts with his brother Jason, the center for the Philadelphia Eagles. On their weekly podcast, New Heights, the Kelchi discuss their lives as professional athletes and speak with high-profile guests like Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes and NFL commissioner Roger Goodell. It was also where the Kelchi Swift storyline began. Um, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes and two-time Super Bowl champion, had 
told the reporters, the press after the game, the Chicago Bears game, that he knew that um, Swift will be there. Uh, he had heard that Swift will be there at one point late, I think early in the fourth quarter or late in the third quarter, that he waved up and, with Kelchi and looked at uh, Swift. And they were winning big. Their mind really wasn't on the game. I think it was like 42-3 to three at the point. But Patrick Mahomes had waved at her and her uh, – and her uh, people from the suite. So, uh, yeah. So uh, it looks like, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's uh, love in the air. So we all wish them the best. You know, good luck to them. Good luck to the relationship. I hope it lasts. It, it is, you know, the reason they're getting all the media attention, like the New York Times being fair to New York Post, is because they are celebrities. So, um, you know, it's just like any, any other relationships. So... We wish them all the best. So, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to the history portion of our uh, show. You, you guys remember the back in 1988, it was the Catholics versus the convicts. Uh, they made a movie out of it. They made an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary out of it. Catholics versus convicts. It's a uh, 2016 documentary film about the October 15th 1988 Notre Dame and Miami football game. It was between the Miami Hurricanes and the University of uh, Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. So this was back in October 15, 1988. This was known as the game of the year. Um, it was known as the Catholics versus the convicts. It was a. Uh, it was played in South Bend. It was playing at Notre Dame. Um, at the time, the University of Miami was a powerhouse football team. They were favored, I believe, by four points. I believe they were the number one team in the nation at the time. Um, and we had, you know, Notre Dame football, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, uh, is known as a kind of a religious school, very uh, Catholic school. And at the time, Miami was recruiting a, um, you know, a lot of so-called, you know, uh, players from the hood, but very, very great players, very, uh, very exceptional athletes, but they were that, that, you know, strived in, uh, in maybe a lower class or, or a, uh, lower income family type setting of high school, but they were scholarship athletes. Um, it was a, so basically it was a college football game, um, October 15th, 1988, Notre Dame stadium in Notre Dame, Indiana, South Bend, uh, the head coach for the Miami Hurricanes was Jimmy Johnson, who went on to do great things. Now he's a broadcaster. He went on to uh, he went on to coach the Dallas Cowboys to uh, two Super Bowl championships, uh, and then the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, uh, whose head coach at the time was Lou Holtz. Right, Miami Hurricanes came off was a four and and0 season. Uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish had a uh, five and and0 season. The game was a non conference game, but it was a huge game. Um, Miami was favored by four points. Um, the national anthem was played by the band of the Fighting Irish. The halftime show was also by the band of the Fighting Irish. The attendance for that game was 59,075. So, of screaming fans just ready to, uh, to watch the Irish and the Hurricanes play. Uh, both Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the Miami Hurricanes came into the game undefeated. Notre Dame won the uh, closely contested game 31-30. to So it was known as the game of the year, if not the game of the century. Um, the phrase, Catholics versus convicts, uh, it was a t-shirt slogan created prior to the matchup by Notre Dame student and friends Joe Frederick, Michael uh, Capingero, 
and Pat Walsh, was, uh, who was reported by the press. The slogan was a play on Notre Dame's Catholic image in Miami's roster of flamboyant football players. Before the 1988 season, several players from the Miami team were arrested and their scholarships taken away. Uh, these arrests were highly publicized and added to the development of the moniker. Um, so, yeah, so, like I said before, it was, uh, it was the religious, it was the Catholics versus the, uh, versus the uh, convicts. It was the uh, lower-income um, families. The two teams met on October 15, 1980 in South Bend, Indiana. Both teams were undefeated going into the game. Uh, Miami, the defending national champions, came in ranked number one, holding a 36-game regular season winning streak, while the Irish were ranked number four. The game, which was preceded by a pregame fight between the two teams in the entrance tunnel, was named by USA Today as one of the greatest college football games of the period from 1982 to 2002. So there you go. It really lived up to the hype, to the game of the century, to the uh, game of the year. Um, I do remember the fight in the entrance tunnel. If anybody wants to look that up, you can look it up, type it up on YouTube and look it up. It is there. Um, <coughs> with Miami trailing <coughs> 31-24 and facing a critical fourth of seven from deep in Irish territory, midway through the fourth quarter, Walsh connected with Miami running back at the time, Cleveland Gary, streaking across the middle of the field inside the Irish five-yard line for the first down. He caught the football, turned, was tackled, and fumbled the ball at the one-yard line. Notre Dame inside linebacker Michael Stonebreaker recovered the football. The referees ruled the plate as a fumble, and Notre Dame took possession at the two-yard line where the ball was recovered. After the game, Johnson has, was adamant that Gary was down before the ball came loose and Miami should have retained possession since Gary was tackled and down at the first down marker. Near the end of a closely contested game, Miami scored a touchdown with 45 seconds remaining on a fourth down 10-yard pass from Washington receiver Andre Brown to pull with one point of the Fighting Irish, 31-30. Rather than kick the extra point and likely end the game in a tie, Miami head coach Jimmy Johnson decided to go for two. Later reasoning that he, uh, we always play to win. However, Hurricanes quarterback at the time, Steve Walsh, pass was batted down by Fighting Irish defender Pat Terrell. And Notre Dame won 31-30, resulting in Miami's first regular season loss since losing to Florida on September 7, 1985. In the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Catholics vs. Convicts, safety George Streeter claimed he had hit the ball loose from Gary's hand prior to him being down across the goal line. In the same documentary, Gary disagrees with Streeter's account of events, claiming he was palming the ball with his right hand and the ball was across the goal line prior to his knee hitting the ground on the ball coming loose. Uh, interesting. Also in the documentary, it was shown that Andre Brown never had control of the ball in the touchdown catch that made the score 31-30. Walsh and former Miami offensive lineman Leon Searcy both admitted the ball was not called during the documentary. So did the uh, referees miss that? Yeah, possibly. We have two people in the documentary saying the ball was not caught. But it was known as the game of the century. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, that was back in 1988. That was the history portion of our, of our segment of the show. And uh, it was a great, great, um, you know, great, great experience. Uh, I was a really, really young kid at the time, but I remember uh, watching it with my dad and my parents. Um, great football game. Great, uh, great uh, time watching that football game. And, uh, yeah, go college football. All right, let's move on. We have a, in our movie section of the show, 
sports movie section. Happy birthday to the program. Um, it is. It was released yesterday, I believe, uh, September 26, back in 1993. The movie starred James Caan as Coach Sam Winters, coach of a college football team that uh, that's on its way to try to make a bowl game before he uh, before the threat of him getting fired. It also stars Craig Sheffer as uh, the fictional ESU uh, quarterback. It also stars Christy Swanson as his girlfriend and tennis superstar of that movie uh, for the uh, college, the fictional college they were in. The movie was shot at Duke University in North Carolina and I believe uh, a couple other universities. I believe they also shot at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, so to double. Um, they also shot in South Carolina they, they, for uh, uh, ESUs. They used the uh, Gamecocks Stadium. The uh, as the uh, as the uh, football stadium for the for the fictional ESU uh, team, <clears throat> the ESU Timberwolves. Um, so how did this uh, movie come about? I think it's a great movie. I, I believe it's an incredibly underrated movie. It really does take a look at college football and the inner doings of college football, and uh, it really takes a look from the players' point of view of their struggles and their beliefs and their their glory and everything that goes through it. Um, it says right here, uh, reported by ESPN, the making of the program college football's cult movie. Um, you know, we had a lot of uh, good lines in that movie. Starting defense, place at the table. Latimer shouts, which was played by Andrew Bernarski. Uh, so he, uh, Andrew Bernarski, Latimer, said, every day of my life, that's not a day that doesn't go by where someone doesn't yell, place at the table. Uh, 1993 was a banner year for movies. You had Steven Spielberg ruled the box office with Jurassic Park and the Academy Awards with Schindler's List. Um, it also was a memorable year for sports movies with The Sandlot, Cool Runnings, and Rudy. Um, it's a good year for sports movies. So the program kind of flew under the radar for uh, the year 1993 as far as sports movies go. 1993, we had a lot of sports movies. Uh, the same year, another sports movie, which made only $23 million at the box office, and was temporarily pulled from theaters, told a different side of college football. Uh, it's still eminently quotable 25 years later, boosting realistic game action that movie industry had never seen before. The program would come to be loved by football fans and those who played the game. Um, I don't think it's 25. Was it 25 years ago? Uh, it's more like now. It's more like 30 years ago. But this this is an old... Uh, this is an old... Uh, article that ESPN put up. Uh, but the inside story of college football, favorite cult movie, uh, David, David Ward, who wrote and directed, I believe major league. I think major league two was a writer director on this film. Craig Sheffer played uh, quarterback, Joe Kane, Dwayne Davis played linebacker, Alvin Mack, Andrew Minarski played defensive end, Steve Latimer, uh, Christy Swanson, as we talked about, played Camille Schaefer, tennis player. Omar Epps played, uh, uh, tight end Darnell Jefferson, Leon Pritchard played a tailback Ray Griffin, uh, Abraham uh, Benarambi played offensive tackle Bud Light Kaminsky, uh, Joe Pennell played quarterback Bobby Collins, Mark Ellis was a football coordinator, and Sparky Woods was former South Carolina coach from 1989-1993, played, had a movie, um, had a role in the movie as well. Um, so, 
you know, Ward has stayed at that particular time. There were a lot of things going on in college football, players receiving gifts, players using PEDs, just a lot of things swirling around college football that I thought would be interesting. I always wanted to make a college football movie, but I didn't just want it to be about winning the big game. Recruiting was part of it. The steroid issue, which was big in the 90s, uh, the early 90s, it also affected uh, WWE wrestlers. At the time, it was called WWF, World Wrestling Federation, but now it's called WWE. Uh, Vince McMahon, the owner of WWE, was uh, kind of in hot water for steroid use and, and uh, accused of selling steroids to his, um, to his wrestlers. But anyways, let's get back to football. Uh, the steroid issue was part of it. The part of it where players would go to school, get injured, don't ever get to play pro football, and don't wind up with an education in the case of Alvin Mack. Um, again, it was, a, uh, it was a great, great football movie, very underrated football movie. I think it got caught in the 1993 sports movie kind of jumble where, you know, it was a uh, – it was not, you know, kind of missed under radar. It only made $23 million at the box office. But um, it is a very good football movie. Every once, I called it one night, late night, uh, when I was flipping channels watching television. Um, so I highly recommend check it out. But the movie was released yesterday. It, did, it, it does have its birthday. It does have a cult following among college football fans. So happy birthday to the program. Um, here's to many more years as the movie lives on. So, yeah. And uh, that is it. That is it for our show. Um, I want to thank everybody for who listens, uh, listening to the show. There's going to be more shows soon. There's going to be more episodes, so just stick around. Uh, don't forget to hit that little subscribe button. And, yeah, uh, have a great time, guys, and I will talk to you guys soon. All right, take care.